want to just uh, welcome you and, and thank you for being with us. Would you just go ahead and turn and say hello to somebody? This is the last Sunday before Christmas. Wish them a Merry Christmas. Tell them you're glad they're here. Was um, about baby Jesus being born. God didn't like the way we were being down on earth, so it says, I'm gonna send my son to go take care of that. Bam. Angel comes. Hey, God's son's coming down. You're gonna, he's gonna be born onto you. I think it happened like in the 1950s. They rode on a donkey and to Bethlehem. It was like this shooting star in the sky. It was really beautiful. He was born in a mansion um, in Bethlehem because they they didn't know where to have the baby, so they asked these people to go in their mansion. They put him into the little animal feeding thing. They had like sheep, horses, and cows. They eat whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, they eat whatever, but and they, they can't like, have fizzy drinks. Or well, they do too much mischief. Pop. Out comes Jesus. It snows when it Christmas. The king sent three people to see Jesus and give them gifts. Well, I don't really know the presents. My brother does. No, no. Serious. I don't. He should. I don't. Gold, silver, mirth. Mirth, gold, and... Frankfurters. No. I think we should just carry on with the story then. He sleeps in a big bed with his big Jesus. So little Jesus sleeps in a big bed with his big Jesus? Yeah. The king, who didn't like Jesus, he sent out um, wanting to find him and to kill him. That's the story of Christmas. The end. And that's the story of Christmas. The end. So we just wanted to clear that up for you. Yeah, go ahead. That's a lot of fun. I love that. God said, I need to send my son down to take care of that. So, Bam. And, uh, you know, pop, Jesus, I'm Jesus. <laughs> Frankfurter's merchandise and something else. I forget what the gifts were, but uh, a lot of fun. Hey, it's great to have you here this morning. And uh, we're going uh, to just look to the Word together. We've been in a series called Simple Christmas for the last little while. And today uh, we're talking about love. Because when you boil it all down, when you think about the Christmas story, this is really uh, what it all boils down to. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, if you want to take out your sermon notes, you can follow along or follow along on the Version live event. We encourage you to do that. And um, I don't think we'll hand out Bibles today. You can trust me that I'm, that I'm talking from the Bible today, can you? Amen. All right. We won't give you any extra work this morning. And uh, let's, we're going to look, though, together at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, and uh, we're talking about love today. So so my first question is this. Don't you just love Christmas? How many of you love Christmas? Yeah, I love it. I have always loved it. As a matter of fact, when um, when we were kids, we would get up as early as possible to wake our parents up and do that stuff that you guys all do. Now, we weren't quite as devious as Johnny and his family. Um, you know, we didn't map out the creeks and the steps or anything like that. But we love Christmas. 
And uh, I just love so many things about Christmas morning and about the excitement. And of course, as kids, we love the gifts. And, and I remember we had a tradition at home that, uh, that my, my dad would always do faithfully. And that was before we would be allowed to open the gifts, he would take out his Bible and he would read to us the Christmas story. Now, I didn't appreciate it as much when I was a younger child as I did later on looking back. But it really is a fantastic tradition. And uh, I can still remember a lot of those mornings, and we would be anxious and ready to go and want to open those gifts, but Dad would take out the Bible, and he would start in that deep voice of his and read from the King James Version. And it came to pass. In those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. But all the world should be taxed, you know? And uh, it was it's one of those traditions that I remember, and it, it made its mark. I'd like to say that, uh, you know, we have faithfully kept that tradition in our family, but um, sadly, I was not always faithful to do that, although we have done it many times. And uh, one, one difference, though, I, uh, I don't make them wait to open the presents. We do it afterwards, and uh, I think they appreciate that. But you know what? There's something about the story, isn't there? There is something about the Christmas story and the, the many, many reasons that we love Christmas. Because the Christmas story is a story that grounds us. It's a story that, that sort of brings us back to the root of it all. It reminds us that it's about more than gifts. It's about more than decorations. It's about more than dinners and parties. The Christmas story is a story that evokes worship. It's a story that, that evokes, you know, giving, that makes us want to give, that makes us want to make time and spend time with our families as we've been talking about these last few weeks. But at the core, at the heart of it all, the Christmas story is a story of God's amazing love. It's a love story. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And if we look at Isaiah chapter 9, a great prophetic text, and uh, drop down actually to verse uh, around 6 or so, And it says this, a child has been born to us. God has given a son to us. And he will be responsible for leading the people. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, the um, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. Power and peace will be in his kingdom. And he will continue to grow forever. He will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. And he will make it strong by ruling with justice and goodness from now on and forever. The Lord all-powerful will do this because of his strong love for his people. Now you have to understand, Isaiah the prophet was sharing this message about a day that would come when God would send his son into the world. But he was also sharing it almost in the same breath as he brought news to the children of Israel that they were going to be sent into exile and become slaves in a foreign country. God had had enough. You know, they had, they had gone through this cycle of, of serving God and then failing and worshiping idols and then, you know, repenting and God coming back and forgiving them. And there was just this endless cycle. And finally God said, you know what? That's it. You're going to Babylon. And Isaiah was the one who brought the message. But I love how that in the same sort of breath that God says to the children of Israel, you know what, we're going to discipline you here for a while. You're going to Babylon to be slaves, but, but don't lose heart. Because of my strong love for you, because I love you, I am going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send my son. And it's a fantastic, fantastic story. This prophecy concerning the coming of Jesus, it's one that we're familiar with. The incarnation, we've heard it over and over. To us, a child is born, a son is given, and so on. 
It's familiar, but what I want to point out to you today is what is stated in verse 7, that God says because of his strong love for his people, that is why he's going to do this. And so the Christmas story, the story of the incarnation, is and always will be a love story. Because of God's great love for us, Jesus came into the world and dwelt among us. The Apostle John later would speak of Jesus who came, and he would say that that um, he is the true light who gives light to everyone, a fulfillment to the, to the prophet's promise. You know, Isaiah earlier in that chapter said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And John said, the light is here, Jesus has come. And so Christmas, first and foremost, is about the promise of love. It's about the promise of love. Look at those last few verses that we read together. He will make it strong by ruling with injustice and goodness from now on and forever. The Lord all-powerful will do this because of his strong love for his people. What will he do? He will send his son. A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so God's promise of love was carefully thought out from before the foundations of time. The Bible refers to Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. And when, you know, Adam and Eve failed in the garden, way back there in the beginning, God was, he was just as upset with the serpent as he was with Adam and Eve. And he had some strong words for the serpent that day. And here's what he told him. He said, you know what? One day, one day, someone from this woman's line, someone from, from her offspring is going to come and he's going to crush your head. Pretty strong words, right? And so the promise of God's love goes all the way back to before time began. God looked down through the annals of time to the day, to the day when he would send his son, when he would put this plan into motion to be the savior of the world, to be your savior and mine. And he did it because of his strong love for his people, because of his love for us. The promise of love is is proven to us because of all of the, the prophecies in the Old Testament about this Messiah, this Jesus who would come. There are, in fact, around 44 different places where one of God's prophets pointed to the Messiah who would come and told, told us things about about where he would be born and and about how he would do his teaching in parables and about the fact that he would give his life and that he would be raised from the dead. All of them fulfilled in the person and life of Jesus Christ. And so Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, we read, but when the time had fully come, when the promise was about to be given, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That we can be a part of God's family, that we can be reconciled to God. So when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when that little baby was born to Mary in the simple obscurity of a common stable, when angels announced his birth to shepherds and when wise men traveled from a far-off country, God was Again, leaning over the portals of heaven, he was looking down and essentially announcing to the world, I love you. I love you. The promise of love is what Christmas is all about. The Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, it's one of my absolute favorites. And it was 
I know that's probably a strange song to be your favorite Christmas song, but I love O Little Town of Bethlehem. I love the melody. I love the words. But there's another reason I love it. It was written by a man named Philip Brooks in 1868 who who had been on a pilgrimage to Israel and, and one night in Jerusalem looking out across the, the hills of, of Bethlehem. He, he saw this view and he wrote these words, O oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. And uh, he came home, he brought the song home and, and the church organist that was employed at the church where he worked at that time in Philadelphia, his name was Louis Redner. Now, just a little bit of trivia. My mother's maiden name is Redner. And so we have kind of had this connection to this song. My dad talks about it often. And, and uh, you know, we've always kind of wondered, wonder if maybe, you know, one of my grandfather's direct ancestors was the one who wrote the melody, who put Philip Brooks's words to this tune, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie. Now, that's not why I bring it up today, but just a little trivia for you. But I want to turn your thoughts to some of the words of that carol as we think about the love in the Christmas story, the promise of God's love. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The promise of God's love, the promise of God's love was fulfilled in that little town of Bethlehem, in that manger. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. You see, there was something else that we see in this Christmas love story, and that is the portrait of love, the portrait of love. God was painting a beautiful picture, a wonderful masterpiece of love for us. What does love look like anyway? You know, today in our 21st century, with all of the history that has transpired and all of the influences that we are bombarded with every day and all of the, you know, all of the, the progress that we have made, the picture that we have of love today can be a terribly skewed and twisted and, and blurred image. Hollywood and the media portray something that is cheap and shallow and physical and that is devoid of any kind of commitment. And all around us, all around us, in our own circles of friends and even family, we see the kind of brokenness that happens when people don't fully understand what love is really all about. Sadly, even at Christmas, people sometimes try and and buy others' love try and show or measure their love by the price of the gifts that they buy, thinking that an expensive gift will somehow make up for their abusive behavior or their absence or their, or their disinterest in the relationship. And so the picture of love that society has painted for us is one that is abstract and ugly. And it stands in stark contrast to the wonderful portrait and masterpiece of love that we find in the Christmas story. And if you aren't looking for it, it can be easy to miss. It can be easy to miss the masterpiece, the beautiful portrait of love that God has painted for us. No ear may hear His coming. But in this world of sin, the song says, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. The portrait of love that 
we find in the Christmas story is the picture of God coming down, entering in. John 1 says that the word, that Jesus became flesh, and that He made His home with us. He entered in. He made it personal. He made a personal investment of Himself into our world and became human. He was born as a little baby. Think about that. The God of the universe. A baby. I love what Ann Voskamp writes. She's a great writer and blogger of today and of the church. And she writes and says, God wanted such intimacy with us that He came with such vulnerability to us. He came as a baby. He put His life in the hands of a simple carpenter and a young teenage girl because God wants to understand us in our vulnerability and in our own brokenness. But the masterpiece, God's beautiful portrait of love, wasn't finished yet. Jesus came and entered into our world. He entered into our pain and our suffering and our brokenness. Yes, He he felt what we feel and was tempted like we are. He gave of Himself. But the baby in the manger had to become the suffering Savior, the man on the cross. This was also the gift of Christmas. John 3 and 16 says, For God so loved the world, everyone in it, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's promise of love. Some thousands of years before, when He promised the the serpent that the offspring of the woman would crush His head, this promise culminated in that moment when Jesus gave His life on the cross. Another bold brushstroke of God's amazing masterpiece was added. John wrote later that it was actually this act that really defines love for us. It was Christ on the cross that brought the picture of God's love into sharper focus. Here's what John says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. This is how we know what love is. Love is the laying down of life. Don't miss that in your Christmas. You may think that your family, your friends will be happy and feel loved just because of the the big pile of gifts under the tree. But true love is the laying down of life. True love is, is time spent with each other. It is time sharing around a table, a meal together. True love is, is watching a, you know, a movie together or going out together and, and doing something as a family. Don't miss the fact that the love story of Christmas is about laying down your life, about giving of yourself to someone else. God's portrait of love was almost complete. The baby in a manger, the Savior on the cross. But there was one final touch that God had to make. He didn't only send His Son to lay down His life for us. What a waste that would be. No, He sent His Son to face and to experience death, but also to beat it. God's final and most powerful stroke of the brush was to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, victorious over death and over hell and over the grave, now seated today at the right hand of the Father in heaven interceding for us. That's the Savior that we serve this morning. This is the portrait of love, that Jesus died for us, that He gave Himself for us, and that He was raised to life so that we who believe in Him can also receive this new life, this eternal life, and be recipients of His love. Because God so loved the world that where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in.
Perhaps this is the greatest part of the Christmas love story, the part where we will receive him, and when we receive him, he enters into our own lives. We are allowed to experience then the presence of God's love, the presence of God's love. You know, most people think that Christmas is all about the presence, and they would be right, except they've spelled it wrong. Because it's not about presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. It's about presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. It's about the presence of His love. Because when Jesus left to return to the Father, He promised His disciples, He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going I'm to send and leave my Holy Spirit. And He will be my presence here on the earth. The Holy Spirit would be the one who would guide us into all truth, would be our counselor, reside in us, and and walk alongside of us. Because when we say yes to Jesus Christ, and when He enters into our hearts, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the presence of God's love in us. And so first of all, because of Christmas, we recognize His power at work in us. What, what God is doing in us through His love. Romans 5, 5 and 6 says, and, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, don't you love that? At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, that's the Christmas story. It's not just about Christ dying at the right time. It's about Jesus coming at just the right time. Israel had been longing for their Messiah. And they had been longing for Him to come and set them free from their oppressors. What they didn't realize was that they had a much more serious problem than just the Romans. It was the problem of their sins and their, their separation from God. And Jesus came. He came to make that better. He came to die for us so that we could be in relationship with Him once again and so the slate could be wiped clean. Jesus reconciled us to God the Father. Titus 3, 4, and 6 says, When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Christmas is the perfect time of year to reflect on His power at work in us. The perfect time for us to slow down and to spend time with Him, to recognize His power in us, and and to experience the wonder of His love at work in our own hearts, to sing the songs of, of the, about the nativity and the incarnation, to hear the words of love and redemption. Even like we sang this morning, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. You see, Christmas is the presence of God's love as His power is at work in us. But that's not all. It's also the presence of God's love and His power at work through us. Because Jesus didn't just come for you and I. He came for everyone. He came for everyone. And because His power is at work in us, because His Holy Spirit resides in us, we then are also agents of 
His grace. And as a part of God's family, as a part of the church, we are the embodiment of God's presence at work in our world. God does what He wants to do in this world through His church. We are His only plan. Did you know that? I know some of you are thinking, God's in trouble. But don't, don't worry. We have the Holy Spirit at work in us, right? And so because of God at work in us, He is also working through us to touch the hearts and lives of people that we come in contact with. God does what He wants in this world through us. That's His plan. That's the way He's going to do it. The presence of God's love is His power at work through you and I. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 talks about how that God you know, reconciled us to Himself, but He did it for a reason. All this is from God, Paul says, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ but gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that God did the work. He sent His Son to die for us so that we could be reconciled to Him. And then He made us His agents of reconciliation. We can't reconcile anyone to God. Jesus did that. But we can have the ministry of pointing people to Him. That's what Christmas is all about. Helping people find their way back to God. Have you heard that before? Let's all say it together. Helping people find their way back to God. You say, well, that's a big job. Yeah, it is. But God is at work through you. The power of his love is at work through your life. And that's what the coming of Christ was about on that first Christmas morning. For to you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And let every heart prepare him room. John reminds us about love. Right after he says, you know, we understand what love is because Jesus laid down his life for us. He adds this. He says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Did you know that you can say that you love someone all you want, but that talk is cheap? You know that, right? Yeah, we can, we can say, oh, I love you. But if we don't act like we do, it doesn't mean anything. Because love is more than just a feeling. It's more than just an emotion. Love is action. Love is commitment. God didn't just feel like He loved us so much and that He wanted to be in a relationship with us, but He did something about it. He sent Jesus on that first Christmas morning. And at Christmas time, we have this amazing opportunity to show God's love to other people, to share with them in their need, and to bless others. And some of you have been so faithful in doing that over these last few weeks, as we've talked about one hope and the big give and all of those things. And people can feel and sense the presence of God when we act in love. Did you know that? They can sense the presence of God. It's, it's why a dear senior lady would, would tear up talking to Pastor Doug over at South Millway when we did the, the seniors luncheon over there. You know, all he had done was, was get up and, and say the grace. He blessed the food. He prayed. And when he went and stopped to talk to her, she said, you know, I'm so glad that somebody prayed. I just, I just, I haven't heard anybody pray in so long. And she's, she was tearing up. Pastor Doug told us, and there's tears coming down her face. And, 
And you know what that was? She could sense the presence of God in that moment. That's how God works through you and I. And you know what? Because of what we did at South Millway that day, uh, Jan Moyer, uh, one of our staff, tells me that, that we have, I think, around 11 seniors who are coming to one of our Christmas Eve services this week. Isn't that fantastic? Because, because of God's power, because of his love at work through us. That's why a woman at Tannery Gate would be so moved to tears when some of you came to her door with Christmas gifts and groceries. She felt the presence of God's love because of Christ's power at work through you. And so it's Christmas this morning. And very simply, Christmas is love. Christmas is love. It is the promise of love fulfilled by the arrival of the Savior in Bethlehem. It is the portrait of love, the babe in the manger, the Savior on the cross, the resurrected Christ. And it is the presence of God's love at work in us and through us to those that we come in contact with every day. And that is what Christmas is all about. The end. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your amazing love. God, we sing about it so often, we talk about it, we read about it, but Lord, we can so easily sometimes take it for granted. We thank you today. We adore you this morning because of your great love for us. Because Lord, you didn't just promise, but you came through. And God, you painted this wonderful picture so that we would know what love is all about through your Son, Jesus Christ. And now you challenge us to allow your, your, your love to be at work in us and through us to the people that we meet and come in contact with. And so I pray, I pray, God, that this Christmas we will, again, Lord, just be compelled by your great love for us in all that we do with everyone that we meet. Lord, in all of our celebrations that we would remember, it's all about your love. It's all about your love for us. And Father, if there's anyone in this room today who has never said yes to Jesus, who has never invited you, into their heart and into their life. I pray that even now, God, as they have heard about the great love that you have for us and about the fact that you have reconciled us to yourself, that you have made it possible for us to have relationship with you, I pray that God, even in the closing moments of this service, you would give those individuals courage to just pray a simple prayer and say, Father, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. I want, I want to have relationship with this God that we've been speaking about. And Lord, I pray that as they boldly pray and just quietly pray that simple prayer, that Lord, your love would flood their hearts, that they would experience today your power, the power of your love at work in them. And that, Father, you'd begin them on this incredible journey of following Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We just pray, God, that you will help us to be the agents of your grace, the agents of your love that you've called us to be this Christmas. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.